Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler. Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. I have wine and nerd clusters. It is the best night ever. <laughs> Something about the way you said nerd clusters uh-huh. makes it sound either Really inappropriate or really violent. Nerd cluster? Yeah. Like there was something, something, the, uh, uh, what I heard, and I even know what you're talking about, but what I heard was this bizarre combination of nerve cluster oh. and cluster bomb. Um, <laughs> maybe nerve cluster. Is that, is that like the same as Novarian cysts? Because I might have one of those too. <laughs> So maybe I, I was talking about I, what I was talking about for the people at home. They're like, what the hell is this? Um, if you know of Nerd Ropes, which if you don't, you are missing out in life. The company that makes nerds has now made, and I was at the uh, I was at the pharmacy the other day uh, picking up some stuff. And yes, uh, there are now nerd gummy clusters which are just nerd ropes but in little balls instead when you eat them they sound like this oh i'm sure that's not just super disturbing to some people at home they're like oh god oh god but basically they taste amazing they taste like sugar balls of happiness Um, they're like they're like gummy bears that have had nerds glued to the outside that's exactly what they are um so highly recommend uh (laughs) I mean, they 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 taste a little weird with the the, with the, the Sauvignon wine. Blanc wine, but you know. Although I believe both are good. I believe Sav Blanc is the preferred wine for movie theater candy. It well, it should be. It's a little <laughs> sweet, but not. It is still considered as dry wine, and yeah, I wouldn't want to pair it with movie theater popcorn. No, no. The only thing that goes with movie theater popcorn is either soda or icy. That's it. Is there a buttery wine that you could pair with your buttery Chardonnay. popcorn? There you go. A Chardonnay. An oaked Chardonnay. An oaked Chardonnay that you can pair with your popcorn at uh, the newest Marvel yeah. movie. For those of you that are new or for those of you that have been with us for a while, I, I used to like work for a wine tasting company. So I actually do have some knowledge in that. And I also pretend to know the difference between wines. <laughs> You're learning. You're learning as, as I give you fun facts occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. I know that I I like the ones that don't taste like a headache. Yeah, he does not and like really dry And I don't like the reds. ones that taste like a headache. Yeah, he doesn't like really dry, like, reds. Well, it's because it's not fair. When I'm drinking those wines, I end up with a hangover before I get drunk. Yeah, that is... What's the point? That is... That is true. <laughs> I'm sorry, are we keeping you awake? Uh, I'm sorry. I just... I had... Uh, I, I, I've been having some... some uh, cramping in my 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 abdominal region for a couple days and uh uh if i'm not feeling better in a couple days i have to get like an mri because you know ladies if you're listening if you've had an ovarian cyst you know i have um it might be that so uh i'm just drinking wine and and trying to breathe and so i think i needed more breath so i yawned i'm sorry you were not boring me we were talking about wine i'm never (laughs) bored when we're talking about wine it's also possible that someone who you offended has made a voodoo doll of you uh i highly uh don't doubt that (laughs) um if (laughs) i am 
in general, a nice person, but I have very strong opinions that do upset some people, and I would not be surprised in any way, shape, or form if there is at least one person on this planet that has a voodoo doll of me. One of, one of the people who performed a citizen's arrest on you and got you thrown in Facebook jail is probably holding a grudge. There it is, right there. S- sticking, your, sticking your voodoo doll full of pins. Yeah, I've been in Facebook jail three times. I've been in Twitter jail twice. I'm like a hardened fucking criminal. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard in the clink. <laughs> it is hard. It is and hard. it's it's rough adjusting back to uh, to, to civilian life. life. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is hard. Um, what was what was the hardest part of of getting out? Well, the hardest part of being in was that I could still. This was Facebook specifically. I would still get all the notifications when people would tag me and shit and like ask me questions and and like I couldn't even post on our Campfire Classics Facebook. So like I'd read it and then just automatically like. Or go to reply, and then I'd hit send, or I'd hit the like, and it would send me to this screen that's like, "You are not allowed to comment for five days and twenty two minutes." Or like, so it was very specific. Like, and I was like, "What the fuck?" So oh, the hardest thing so about they, getting they out, they tantalize you with it too. Yes, they do. They like hanging it over your head. That's rude. Yeah, especially because the reason I got thrown in is because someone was harassing me, and. They and I called them something, but I wasn't even that like aggressive this last time. And uh, he just decided to report one of my comments. Um, and apparently that was enough, even though I'd already reported three of his comments where he was harassing me with butter. Like he was like he was doing the thing, uh, you know, harassing kill him with- you with butter. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. I don't know. What the fuck does that mean? It's like kill him with kindness. Like he was. Yeah, except that kill him with kindness is a thing. Harass them with butter isn't. You guys, it's like you're going to have to start spreading that because I just made that up on the spot and I kind of like it. He was harassing with butter and I was. harass with butter. And I was harassing with jalapenos. (laughs) Like, like. My mine were spicy and his were like lardy and um and you just normally don't re- rec- you don't even know when it's in food, so it's like it's so mild. But it's still gonna give you a heart attack. <laughs> It'll still give you a heart attack. Jalapenos. If you eat like thirty jalapenos, you will have a heart attack probably right there. So he was Midwestern cooking and you were Tex-Mex. Cooking. Tex-Mex. So yes, hashtag uh, harass them with butter. Mm, harass butter. them with butter. Everybody harass people with butter on social media so you don't get thrown in jail. So we're clear. That is a metaphor. We are not encouraging you to throw sticks of butter at people that you don't like. I mean, that would be really funny. We are not officially (laughs) encouraging you to throw sticks of butter at people you don't like. My vision is you unwrap the butter so it's like out and you just like smear it on their face. We are not officially (laughs) encouraging you to attack strangers in any way with sticks of butter. The official policy of Campfire Classics is that that would be wrong. <laughs> would be really funny, though. <laughs> and if, if Ken's looking at me like, don't, you're going to get sued. You're going to get sued. Okay, I can't officially say do that, but it'd be, it, I, I, the visual of it in my head is very funny. Don't go do that. <laughs> do it metaphorically. Metaphor. We're, we're a literary podcast, so do it metaphorically. Do it metaphorically. Tell you a can, story about it. Don't actually do it. You can metaphorically throw a tub of frozen butter through your neighbor's window if they're <laughs> pissing you off. 
And you know what? We do have a lot of sticks of I can't believe it's not in the fridge. Yeah. Like I can believe. You can believe it's not butter. <laughs> yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna harass someone, use real butter. At least have the decency to to uh, harass them with real butter. See, I'd go the other direction. If you're gonna do it, use I can't believe it's not butter. Look, something it's good for. <laughs> Well, they're not going to be sponsoring us anytime soon. <laughs> uh, speaking of awesome sponsors and people, uh, we do have a promo this week. Oh, yeah? Tell me more. Tell me more. Uh, it is for a podcast called Let Me Tell You Something, Bitch. And uh, <laughs> I can't reveal their name because it's an anonymous podcast. <laughs> so I do know their I know their name because we've been exchanging emails. But I'm not going to say it on here to uh, respect their anonymity. So here's their promo. I'm going to preface this by saying that, you know, I'm not naming any names. However, one thing I've learned in a word to the wise, don't trust any bitch named Jen. Let me tell you something, bitch. Let me tell you something, bitch. Let me tell you something, bitch. The dick snapped harder than Judy Let Funny me. at a poetry slam. Let me tell you something, bitch. We are living in the aftermath of Reaganomics. Let me tell you something, bitch. Go eye for an eye with me and end up with astigmatism, honey. Let me tell you something. If you're going to listen to this podcast and you recognize my voice, don't play any of it for either one of my grandmamas, okay? They done survived this pandemic, and this might kill them. Let me tell you something, bitch. I remain anonymous to protect the guilty. Let me tell you something, bitch. Streaming everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love them oh, so much. No. Oh wow! So, so this is oh, what happened. This is what happened. They're relatively new podcasts, and you should go check it out because it's very funny. And it's very much, I mean, it's kind of like the first 20 minutes of our podcast, but much more blunt. It has, it's, uh, they, they are just really funny. And I, I, I very much, um, connect with the, please don't tell my grandma about this because I think, I don't know if they'd like it very much. Yeah. <laughs> and like how I met this person was the Twitter verse again. They post, they'd listen to one of our episodes and posted this hilarious comment that I ended up like putting on our Instagram. Um, and then we've been talking ever since and they're a big fan of us. And um, yeah, they're just great and very funny. And um, go check it out if you just want to hear. And I also really love that we are living in the aftermath of Reaganomics because Ken and I talk yeah, about that often, actually, yeah, how how that really is what fucked our country hard. It's his fault. It really is. <laughs> yep. Yep. So um, go check it out um, and support them. I'm not going to say their name because I'm protecting the guilty. Uh, and I'm not going to say their name because I don't know it. It's on the email. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't read all the way to yeah, the bottom. There you go. <laughs> I so, only read far it's enough. It's all for the best. I only read far enough down to download the. Uh, it's all for the best. You don't even have any secrets to keep. I, I will keep this secret just for you. You know who you are. <laughs> But other than that, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to chat about. That's all for me. Sweet. You know, what do you say we do the thing do we the do? Thing we do? I think so. I think. Oh, hi. Um, yes, this is Campfire Classics. We actually read stories or try to. As I'm sure you've gathered from all of that. All intro. the rambling that we just did. <laughs> um, so today I got to pick the story for Ken. And goody, goody. Oh, goody. And I'm very excited. So it's another new author. Our author today is W.W. W. Jacobs. 
originally. I thought you were about to give me a website. www.jacobs.com. I don't know what that is. Um, if it's nothing, I'm not buying the uh, However, address, if it is so nothing and see. you have the ability to buy the address, www.jacobs.com, you should buy it and redirect it to www.campfireclassicspodcast.com. Nice promo, babe. Good job. <laughs> yeah. So... Our author was born William Waymark Jacobs, and he was born the 8th of September, 1863, in Wapping, London. Wapping? Wapping, London. Uh, his father, in fact, was a wharf manager in the South Devon Wharf. Um, he had three siblings, um, and unfortunately, his mother died when he was very young. But father remarried to his housekeeper and had seven more children. Whoa. So, Busy dude. So he has ten, three siblings and seven step-siblings. So good for him. Um, dad was productive. Dad, That's cool. Dad apparently did not have a lot to worry about at the wharf enough so that he could just, you know, have lots of babies. Um well, I guess he didn't have them. So no. Well, in 1860s, in the 1860s, there's a decent chance they're not all going to survive. So you want to pop out a bunch of them. I, I guess just so. in case it's a numbers yeah. game. Just in case. Yeah, that's true. Um, so what's interesting about W.W. W. Jacobs is um, he <clears throat> was is there's nothing. That's all I've got. Um, no, he. uh no, this just this time. So the first time you said his name, I heard www dot. This time I heard wwjd. <laughs> his name's just I'm just free associating all over the place. All right, here. well, good. You you enjoy that. I'm sure the listeners at home are hearing it too. So I'm just calling call him Mr. Jacobs. <laughs> so Mr. Jacobs uh, was a very shy kind of like introvert. So he doesn't have a lot of like scandal in his life. He was very much a like like stay at home fella. Um, so uh, I'm gonna give you what is written about him. But like even when you go to his like literature page, because I went to Wikipedia, I went to like www.jacobs.com, I went to um, uh, um, uh, Britannica, I went like, and really it's just the same information over and over. So. Uh, he is now remembered for his uh, macabre tales. Is that how you pronounce macabre. that? Macabre. That's what I, I knew that, but it doesn't look like macabre. No, so it doesn't. He was remembered mainly for his macabre tales and ghost stories, but the majority of his publishings were humorous. Oh. So uh, his favorite subject line was marine life because that's where daddy worked. Um, and he particularly quote, men who go down to the sea in ships of moderate tonnage. <laughs> so like moderate ships. Yeah. Mid-sized ships. Mid-sized ships. Uh, his very first collection of stories called Many Cargoes uh, achieved popular success on its publication in 1896. And then he followed that with a novel called The Skipper's Wooing. <laughs> In 1897, Love and it. then another collection of short stories called Sea Urchins in 1898. So he was busy. Like every year, he came out with Cranking a out novel those, or those like books, a collection yeah. of short stories. 
So that last sea urchins really like sealed his popularity and he quit his job at the post office, which is kind of his day job. And he's like, cool, I got this. Oh, we all wish we could get launched into popularity and have to quit our day job. Ain't that the truth? That is the artist's dream. Although (laughs) at the moment I'd settle for having a day job to quit. (laughs) I really would. Um, This is our day job and I don't want to quit it, but it also (laughs) doesn't pay us very much, if anything at all. So... Some of his other titles are Captain's All, Sailor's Knots, and Night Watchers. Now, Night Watchers um, was very popular, (laughs) and he wrote this character a lot. (laughs) You'll know why I'm laughing. So, the Night Watchman on the wharf in Wapping. So, it's literally, he, he set the story where his dad worked. Yep. And the main character's name is Ginger Dick. <laughs> I assume a redheaded man named Richard. giant red-headed penis like working on the ships. Yeah, it's an Irish porn. <laughs> when I read that, I went, that cannot be the name. That has to be a typo. And I looked on like three different sources and it is Ginger Dick. <laughs> um, Just so I can be prepared for your... You're not reading Ginger Dick. Okay. <laughs> I promise. I wouldn't make it through. <laughs> now, I don't know, maybe down the line I might assign you some ginger dick. <laughs> uh, sometimes, Usually we don't get into the innuendos till the story starts. Sometimes it's like living with an 11-year-old. You're laughing too. <laughs> and my grandpa's name is Dick. I know people named Dick, but it's just the collection of ginger dick yeah has your grandpa ever been called ginger dick not that i know of i guess i don't know his life (laughs) (laughs) i mean he's an irish catholic farm boy it's possible it is possible oh my god okay so anyway that (laughs) moving on from that please So uh, Jacobs got married eventually. So after he found success, uh, he fell in love with a woman named Agnes Eleanor Williams in 1900. And Agnes, his wife, uh, was later a very noted popular suffragette. So fighting for the women's right to vote while they were married and everything. So she's a badass. Cool. They had two sons and three daughters. Not quite as busy as dad. Not No, but it's the next generation. They, the yeah. Technology's a little better. Yeah, babies aren't dying a as, better. as fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And then World War One came around. Um, so he started during this because publications were focusing on the war, like, um, and less like fictional yeah. tales. Uh, he started to focus on stage works. So writing plays. Um, his very first one was called The Ghost of Jerry Bundler and was performed in London in 1899, revived in 1902, and wait, that doesn't line up at all. Anyway. What? Because <laughs> World War One was in the 20s, or in the teens. It was. So, the, oh, because this was his first this one. This was his first one. He wrote 18, so this was the first one. Oh my God, I did not do a good job on the notes. <laughs> <laughs> 
it seems just, like your information is all right. You just didn't double I, check it enough to make sure it wasn't going to confuse you later. I didn't timeline it very well. I was just too distracted by Ginger Dick. Um, so during, yes. So his first play was The Ghost of Jerry Bundler and it was performed in London in 1899, revived in 1902 and published in 1908. Um, and during World War One, he started to focus more on plays because short stories weren't getting published in the um, the newspapers and the magazines because they were publishing, you know, actual events. Right, um, news. And so he ended up writing a total of 18 plays, and some of them have been turned into and or adapted into films and whatnot, used as inspiration for others. So that's really the information you can find about him anywhere. Uh, he died on September 1st, 1943, at the age of 79, just a week shy of his 80th birthday. And his obituary was po- uh, posted in the Times on September 2nd, which is my birthday, um, 1943. And it described W.W. Jacobs as a quiet, gentle, and modest man. He was not fond of large functions and crowds. He invented an entirely new form of humorous narrative. It's at... Its outstanding characteristics were compression and understated. So they, yeah, he was very popular, but there's like no drama about him because he was super uh, stay at home. Like he didn't associate with a bunch of other writers and he was just, he had his family and chill sort of dude who kind of like kept to himself. So, so the story you'll be reading today is what is known as his most famous short story. The Mystery of Ginger Dick. The Mystery of Ginger Dick. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, I (laughs) hope that's one of them. Um, No, you'll be reading his most famous short story that was written in 1902 called The Monkey's Paw. Oh! Do you know this story? Um, I am familiar with the concept concept of The Monkey's Paw, yes. Because we're taught about it in in school, but I've never read it. So I like anyway, um, it it contains a very famous quote. So uh, I know that. OK, <laughs> um, I know what it is, but you don't. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Was that an evil laugh or did you just have a seizure? <laughs> I think my ovarian sister wrote it. All right, let's read a story. <laughs> All right, let's start this fire. Let's start it. <laughs> the mystery of Ginger Dick. By W.W. Jacobs. In whopping. Oh, Lord. The whopping ginger dick. The whopping ginger dick. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. The Monkey's Paw by W.W. Jacobs. Without, the night was cold and wet. But in the small parlor of Laburnum Villa, the blinds were drawn and the fire burned brightly, kind of like our fire. Yeah. Father and son were at chess. The former, who possessed ideas about the game involving radical changes, putting his king into such sharp and unnecessary perils that it even provoked comment from the white-haired old lady knitting placidly by the fire. So he's an aggressive player, like me. (laughs) So he's a terrible player. Like me. (laughs) 
Hark the wind, said Mr. White, who, having seen a fatal mistake after it was too late, was amiably desirous of preventing his son from seeing it. <laughs> I'm listening, said the latter, grimly, surveying the board as he stretched out his hand. Check. <laughs> I should hardly think that he'd come tonight, said his father, with his hand poised over the board. Mate, replied the son. Oh. That's the worst of living so far out, bawled Mr. White with sudden and unlooked-for violence. Of all the beastly, slushy, out-of-the-way places to live in, this is the worst. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Pathways a bog, and the roads a torrent. I don't know what people are thinking about. I suppose because only two houses in the road are let, they think it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. A little bit. I think he's he doesn't feel like he's important enough. <laughs> Never mind, dear, said his wife soothingly. Perhaps you'll win the next one. And it all came because he got beat by his son in chess. <laughs> Hate that. Mr. White looked up sharply, just in time to intercept a knowing glance between mother and son. The words died away on his lips, and he hid a guilty grin in his thin gray beard. <laughs> there he is, said Herbert White, as the gate banged too loudly and heavy footsteps came toward the door. The old man rose with hospitable haste and, opening the door, was heard condoling with the new arrival. The new arrival also condoled with himself, so that <laughs> Mrs. White said, Tut, tut, and coughed gently as her husband entered the room, followed by a tall, burly man, beady of eye, and rub rubicund? Ooh. Rubicund? Rubisund. Let's look of at, visage. Let's look that one up. Also, I would like to point out I am not a 12-year-old boy. because One, because I'm not. And two, because I've heard at least three sex jokes and I haven't said a word. So, uh, If you have been hearing sex jokes and not saying a word, you are failing in your duty to this <laughs> podcast. I'm proving a point. When he, he just said he played with himself and the other guy played with himself. <laughs> like that that one's the one I laughed out loud at. I just didn't interrupt. Okay, spell it. R U B I. R U B I. C U N D. C U N D. Rubicund. Yeah, it's spelled like Ruby <laughs> but with a D. <laughs> Ginger Dick and Ruby. <laughs> 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 oh no! Oh no! <laughs> the Adventures of Ginger Dick and Ruby. <laughs> that, is, that is the new best-selling erotic novel. Oh, we're, we're gonna get on that, y'all. <laughs> trademark, trademark. It's. I think it's. It's an erotic <gasps> murder mystery series. Oh, absolutely. It's like Sherlock Holmes and Dr. And Watson. And Dr. Watson, yeah. <laughs> but it's Ginger Dick and Ruby. You have to have so many meows in, yeah. this, ep in this episode. Lucky for us, Linus here. Linus here. It's okay. So uh, Rubicund is an adjective. 
having a ruddy complexion. So, like red like face. Red face had a lot of scotch or whiskey or just has a red face. The new arrival also condoled with himself so that Mrs. White said tut tut and coughed gently as her husband entered the room followed by a tall burly man, beady of eye and a rubicund of a visage. Sergeant Major Morris, he said, introducing himself. The sergeant major shook hands and, taking the proffered seat by the fire, watched contentedly while his host got out whiskey and tumblers and stood a small copper kettle on the fire. That is a good host. Sit by the fire, I get the whiskey and the tea. We'll make some hot toddies. It'll be all right. At the third glass, his eyes got brighter. All right, so uh, time lapse, (laughs) or he just drank real fast. And he began to talk. The little family circle regarding with eager interest this visitor from distant parts as he squared his broad shoulders in the chair and spoke of wild scenes and doughty deeds, of wars and plagues and strange people. Strange people? (laughs) They're not British? How strange. (laughs) I may not be doing this in a British accent, but... Yes. Imagine. A lot of people think, actually, that was a fun fact I did not say, because it's not really... It's just a lot of people think W.W. Jacobs was an American writer. There's something about the way he wrote and whatnot. Like, people assume he's American, but he's actually British. So, that was a fun fact that came up, so... Twenty-one years of it, said Mr. White, nodding at his wife and son. When he went away, he was a slip of a youth in the warehouse. Now look at him. Now look at him. He looks like shit. (laughs) (laughs) That was the nicest way of being like, he has seen a lot, a.k.a. wow. (laughs) He don't look to have taken much harm, said Mrs. White politely. I'd like to go to India myself, said the old man, just to look round a bit, you know. (laughs) Better where you are, said the sergeant major, shaking his head. He put down the empty glass and, sighing softly, shook it again. (laughs) More. (laughs) Round four, please. (laughs) Everyone here here is perfectly subtle, (laughs) but not at all. I should like to see those old temples and fakirs and jugglers, said the old man. Uh, What was that you started telling me the other day about a monkey's paw or something, Morris? Nothing. That was the title of the story. That was the title of the story. That is important. Ta-da! All right, fine. Hang on. (laughs) What was that you started telling me the other day about a... Monkey's paw? Or something, Morris? Nothing, said the soldier hastily. Leastways, nothing worth hearing. Well. Monkey's paw? Monkey's paw! (laughs) Said Mrs. White curiously. Well, it's just a bit of what you might call magic, perhaps, said the sergeant major offhandedly. Again, subtle, but not. Oh, you know, it's just a little bit of... Magic. Just just a tiny little miracle. Could you top her off for me, yeah. please? <laughs> Moving along. Now let's... let me tell you about hunting a whale. <laughs> Different story. Different story. All of these characters 
probably live in Storybook Land. Oh, I want to visit Storybook Land. Have you ever seen the movie Page Master? I think I have, but not since I was like a kid. Yeah, it's yeah, like never-ending story. Well, it's it's where the kid like he meets. Oh, he goes into the books. He goes into the library books. Yeah. He's like sent there by the librarian, played by Christopher Lloyd. I, yes. Yeah. Holy shit! I forgot about that movie we're watching. Yeah, it. and the the whole the whole storybook world is animated. I totally forgot about that movie. Oh my god! Yes, we're gonna watch that. Anyway, <laughs> I want to go to Storybook Land. <laughs> Uh, his three listeners leaned forward eagerly. Three listeners? He must have an indie podcast. (laughs) Everybody drink. Everybody drink. I couldn't let that one go. (laughs) We luckily have more than three. Three listeners? How do you get that many? Oh my God. Does he have sponsors yet? Must be a Spotify exclusive. Absolutely. Watch out, Joe Rogan. <laughs> Watch out, Obama. And Bruce Springsteen. I, I want to listen to that so much. I, do. I have no idea what they might talk about. Well, SNL parody it, so apparently it's not great. Oh, man. <laughs> Either that or it's brilliant. One of the two. Anyway, three listeners, eh? (laughs) His three listeners leaned forward eagerly. The visitor absentmindedly put his glass to his lips and then set it down again. His host filled it for him. To look at, said the sergeant general, fumbling in his pocket. It's just an ordinary little paw, dried to a mummy. Yeah, because I carry around a mummy paw in my fucking like pocket. I have three of them on me right now. Is this like a rabbit's Obviously. foot? It's kinda, yeah, but not lucky. <laughs> he took something out of his pocket and proffered it. Mrs. White drew back with a grimace, but her son, taking it, examined it curiously. And what is there special about it, inquired Mr. White as he took it from his son and, having examined it, placed it upon the table. It had a spell put on it by an old fakir, said the sergeant major, a very holy man. He wanted to show that fate ruled people's lives and that those who interfered with it did so to their sorrow. He put a spell on it so that three separate men could each have three wishes from it. Oh, no. It's three wishes. Oh, no. (laughs) His manner was so impressive that his hearers were conscious that their light laughter jarred somewhat. Well, why don't you have three, sir? said Herbert cleverly. The soldier regarded him in the way that middle age is wont to regard presumptuous youth. (laughs) I have, he said quietly, and his blotchy face whitened. And did you really have the three wishes granted? asked Mrs. White. I did, said the sergeant major, (laughs) and his glass tapped against his strong teeth. And has anybody else wished, persisted the old lady. The first man had his three wishes, yes, was the reply. I don't know what the first two were, but the third, 
was for death. He wished for death. That's how I got the paw. His tones were so grave that a hush fell upon the group. If you've had your three wishes, it's no good to you now, then, Morris, said the old man at last. What do you keep it for? The soldier shook his head. Fancy, I suppose, he said slowly. I did have some idea of selling it, but I don't think I will. It has caused enough mischief already. Besides, people won't buy. They think it's a fairy tale, some of them, and those who do think anything of it want to try it first and pay me afterward. That ain't how it works. If you could have another three wishes, said the old man, eyeing him keenly, would you have them? I don't know, said the other. I don't know. Was one of his wishes the ability to drink whiskey on end without <laughs> getting blackout drunk? Because he's had at least six shots because in he's the doing past well. 20 minutes. So. He took the paw and dangled it between his forefinger and thumb suddenly threw it upon the fire. White, with a slight cry, stooped down and snatched it off. Better let it burn, said the soldier solemnly. If you don't want it, Morris, said the other, give it to me. I won't, said his friend doggedly. I threw it on the fire. If you keep it, don't blame me for what happens. Pitch it on the fire again, like a sensible man. This guy's becoming more and more Batman as yeah, he goes on. Yeah, he's very on. Uh, Batman Bane. Uh, <laughs> or, uh, um, Where uh, are the drugs? Benedict Cumberbatch's American accent in Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm doing. This is my British accent. It's just a British guy doing an, doing American, an American accent. accent. That's it. See, there it is. Pitch it on the fire again, like a sensible man. The other shook his head and examined his new possession closely. How do you do it? he inquired. Hold it up in your right hand and wish aloud, said the sergeant major. But I warn you of the consequences. Sounds like the Arabian Nights, said Mrs. White as she rose and began to set the supper. Yeah, Don't Aladdin you- learned this tale. Let's not repeat it, okay? <laughs> Don't you think you might wish for four pairs of hands for me? Her husband drew the talisman from pocket, and then all three burst into laughter as the sergeant major, with a look of alarm on his face, caught him by the arm. If you must wish, he said gruffly, wish for something sensible. Mr. White dropped it back in his pocket and, placing chairs, motioned his friend to the table. In the business of supper, the talisman was partly forgotten, and afterward the three sat listening in an enthralled fashion to a second installment of the soldier's adventures in India. If the tale about the monkey's paw is not more truthful than those he has been telling us, said Herbert, as the door closed behind their guest, just in time for him to catch the last train, we shan't make much out of it. "'Did you give him anything for it, father?' inquired Mrs. White, regarding her husband closely. 
It's so weird when wives and husbands call each other mother and father. It's a little That's, it's just, odd. It's just weird. <laughs> a trifle, he said, coloring slightly. He didn't want it, but I made him take it. And he pressed me again to throw it away. Likely, said Herbert in pretended horror. Why, we're going to be rich and famous and happy. Wish to be an emperor, father, to begin with. Then you can't be henpecked. No, no, no. Have they not seen Disney's Aladdin? If you want to be the most powerful being in the world, they're going to make you the genie and then you're locked away forever. Spoiler alerts. <laughs> Wish to be an emperor, father, to begin with. Then you can't be henpecked. He darted round the table, pursued by the maligned Mrs. White, <laughs> armed with an anti Macassar. What? Antimacassar. Oh, damn. Is that like a... That's a superhero weapon, sounds like. Yeah. A piece of cloth put over the back of a chair to protect it from grease and dirt or as an ornament. Oh. Oh, so it's like a doily. Like, it's like draped over... Yes, but a superhero doily. It's a superhero doily. That sounds way cooler than what it is. Antimacassar. How do you pronounce it? Anti-macassar. 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 He darted round the table, pursued by a maligned Mrs. White, armed with an anti-macassar. Doily. Superhero doily. (laughs) Mr. White took the paw from his pocket and eyed it dubiously. I don't know what to wish for, and that's a fact, he said slowly. It seems to me I've got all I want. Aw, see? Throw it on the fire! That is the correct answer. If you only cleared the house, you'd be quite happy, wouldn't you? Said Herbert with his hand on his shoulder. Well, wish for 200 pounds then. That'll just do it. The son is a bad influence. He's good at chess, but he's a bad influence. (laughs) His father, smiling shamefacedly, at his own credulity, held up the talisman as his son, with a solemn face somewhat marred by a wink at his mother, sat down at the piano and struck a few impressive chords. I wish for two hundred pounds, said the old man distinctly. A fine crash from the piano greeted the words, interrupted by a shuddering cry from the old man. His wife and son ran toward him. It moved, he cried, with a glance of disgust at the object as it lay on the floor. As I wished, it twisted in my hand like a snake. Ew. Well, I don't see the money said his son as he picked it up and placed it on the table. And that's how, it ha- that's how it happens. It just falls out of the sky. And I bet I never shall. It must have been your fancy, father, said his wife, regarding him anxiously. He shook his head. Never mind, though. There's no harm done. But it gave me a shock all the same. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not having, like, I've seen the mummy. I don't know. <laughs> like... Can you imagine this d- demonic monkey paw, like mummy paw? I've also seen several episodes of animated TV series, including, I'm pretty sure, The Simpsons, that riff on the idea of, of this? the monkey's paw. Oh, yeah. No, this has been, like, I didn't 
I couldn't do a lot of fun facts on this story because I didn't want to tell you yeah. the story before I knew. There's like an entire Wikipedia page about this about this story, story and how many times it's referenced in modern. Yeah. Yeah. They sat down by the fire again while the two men finished their pipes. Outside, the wind was higher than ever, and the old man started nervously at the sound of a door banging upstairs. A silence, unusual and depressing, settled upon all three, which lasted until the old couple rose and retired for the night. "'I expect you'll find the cash tied up in a big bag in the middle of your bed,' said Herbert, as he bade them good night, "'and something horrible squatting up on top of the wardrobe, watching you as you pocket your ill-gotten gains.'" He sat alone. <laughs> he sat alone in the darkness, gazing at the dying fire and seeing faces in it. The last face was so horrible and so simian that he gazed at it in amazement. It got so vivid that, with a little uneasy laugh, he felt on the table for a glass containing a little water to throw over it. The night is dark and full of terrors. His hand grasped the monkey's paw, and with a little shiver, he wiped his hand on his coat and went up to the bed. The night is dark and full of terrors. See, he's seeing shit in the fire now. He just sold his damn soul to the red lady. The night is dark and full of monkey paws. <laughs> oh, God. That's actually terrifying. That was the end of part one. Oh, okay. <clears throat> part two. In the brightness of the wintry sun next morning, as it steamed over the breakfast table, he laughed at his fears. There was an air of prosaic wholesomeness about the room which it had lacked on the previous night, and the dirty, shriveled little paw was pitched on the sideboard with the carelessness which betokened no great belief in its virtues. "'I suppose all old soldiers are the same,' said Mrs. White." The idea of our listening to such nonsense. How could wishes be granted in these days? And if they could, how could 200 pounds hurt you, father? <laughs> this, this bitch is testing nature right now. <laughs> Might drop on his head from the sky, said the frivolous Herbert. Also, Herbert, watch your mouth. <laughs> Morris said that things happen so naturally said his father, that you might, if you so wished, attribute it to coincidence. Well, don't break into the money before I come back, said Herbert as he rose from the table. I'm afraid it'll turn you into a mean, avaricious man, and we shall have to disown you. <laughs> his mother laughed, and following him to the door, watched him down the road, and returning to the breakfast table, was very happy at the expense of her husband's credulity all of which did not prevent her from scurrying to the door at the postman's knock, nor prevent her from referring somewhat shortly to retired sergeant majors of bibulous habits when she found out that the post brought a tailor's bill. Herbert will have some more of his funny remarks, I expect, when he comes home, she said as they sat at dinner. I dare say, said Mr. White, pouring himself out some beer. But for all that, the thing moved in my hand. That I'll swear. 
you thought it did, said the old lady but soothingly. But you drank a handle of whiskey with your friend, <laughs> so I don't really trust anything that you say happened last night. I say it did, replied the other. There was no thought about it. I had just... What's the matter? His wife made no reply. She was watching the mysterious movements of a man outside who, peering in an undecided fashion at the house, appeared to be trying to make up his mind to enter. In mental connection with the 200 pounds, she noticed that the stranger was well-dressed and wore a silk hat of glossy newness. Three times he paused at the gate and then walked on again. The fourth time he stood with his hand upon it and then, with sudden resolution, flung it open and walked up the path. Mrs. White, at the same moment, placed her hands behind her and hurriedly unfastening the strings of her apron, put that useful article of apparel beneath the cushion of her chair. She brought the stranger, who seemed ill at ease, into the room. He gazed at her furtively and listened in a preoccupied fashion as the old lady apologized for the appearance of the room and her husband's coat, a garment which he usually reserved for the garden. She then waited as patiently as her sex would permit for uh, him to broach his business, but he was uh, at first strangely no, silent. No, 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 no. Come on, you know how all women are naturally impatient. I would like to say that I don't like those generic sexual sexist remarks. <laughs> I know it was a different time. It was never okay. Respect the vag, yo. <laughs> Feel better? I just like, I'm just saying, I know a lot of really impatient dudes. I know a lot of really impatient dudes. That's all. You can cut all that out. <laughs> Don't appreciate, don't appreciate it. He was at first strangely silent. I was asked to call, he said at last, and stooped and picked up a piece of cotton from his trousers. I come from Ma and Megan's, the old lady started. Is anything the matter? She asked breathlessly. Has anything happened to Herbert? What is it? What is it? Her husband interposed, "'There, there, mother,' he said hastily. "'Sit down and don't jump to conclusions. "'You've not brought bad news, I'm sure, sir.' And he eyed the other wistfully. "'I'm sorry,' <gasps> began the visitor. "'Is he hurt?' demanded the mother wildly. The visitor bowed in assent. "'Badly hurt,' he said quietly. But he is not in any pain. Oh, thank God, said the old woman, clasping her hands. Thank God for that. Thank... She broke off suddenly as the sinister meaning of the assurance dawned upon her. Then she saw the awful confirmation of her fears in the other's perverted face. She caught her breath and turned to her slow-witted husband laid her trembling hand upon his. There was a long silence. He was caught in the machinery, said the visitor at length in a low voice. Caught 
in the machinery, repeated Mr. White in a dazed fashion. Yes. He sat staring blankly out at the window and taking his wife's hand between his own, pressed it as he had been wont to do in their old courting days nearly forty years before. He was the only one left to us, he said, turning gently to his visitor. It is hard. That's why Dad had so many kids. He's yeah. the only one left to us. Yeah, they they yeah. die off too they quick. They die off too quick. Because, <clears throat> you know, they fuck with monkey paws and shit. <laughs> I mean, they don't fuck with monkey paws. They mess with monkey paws. That sounds wrong. <laughs> That's actually the reason for the high child mortality rate in the the early part of human history is like every third family had a monkey paw and they kept making wishes that caused their kids to die. And that's that's why that's why the child mortality rate was so high. No, for so I miss long. I miss that lesson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other coughed and rising walked slowly to the window. The firm wished me to convey their sincere sympathy with you in your great loss, he said, without looking round. I beg that you will understand I am only their servant and merely obeying orders. There was no reply. The old woman's face was white, her eyes staring and her breath inaudible. On the husband's face was a look such as his friend, the sergeant, might have carried into his first action. I was to say that Ma and Megan's disclaim all responsibility, continued the other. They admit no liability at all, but in consideration of your son's services, they wish to present you with a certain sum as compensation. Yep. Mr. White dropped his wife's hand and, rising to his feet, gazed with a look of horror at his visitor. His dry lips shaped the words... How much? <laughs> oh, no. Two hundred pounds was the answer. Unconscious of his wife's shriek, the old man smiled faintly, put out his hands like a sightless man, and dropped a senseless heap to the floor. Oh my god. End of part two. That's fucking fucked up. <laughs> wow. It's not going to get any better from here. Nope. <clears throat> you know they're going to wish for their son to come back. Zombie time! In the huge new cemetery, some two miles distant, the old people buried their dead and came back to a house steeped in shadow and silence. It was all over so quickly that at first they could hardly realize it and remained in a state of expectation as though of something else to happen, something else which was to lighten this load too heavy for old hearts to bear. But the days passed, and expectation gave place to resignation, the hopeless resignation of the old, sometimes miscalled apathy. Sometimes they hardly exchanged a word, for now they had nothing to talk about, and their days were long to weariness. I mean, I think they got a lot to talk about. I think it's like, why didn't you let that fucking Paul burn? And why didn't we ask what three wishes that damn Sergeant Major got and who died and why? And can the third wish be, I wish I'd let the monkey paw burn? Yeah. 
I wish I'd never accepted the monkey paw. It was about a week after that, the old man, waking suddenly in the night, stretched out his hand and found himself alone. The room was in darkness, and the sound of subdued weeping came from the window. He raised himself in bed and listened. Come back, he said tenderly. You'll be cold. It is colder for my son, said the old woman, and wept afresh. The sound of her sobs died away on his ears. The bed was warm and his eyes heavy with sleep. He dozed fitfully and then slept until a sudden wild cry from his wife awoke him with a start. The paw, she cried wildly. The monkey's paw. It moved. Oh no, she made a wish. He started up in alarm. Where? Where is it? What's the matter? She came stumbling across the room toward him. I want it, she said quietly. You've not destroyed it. It's in the parlor, on the bracket, he replied, marveling. Why? She cried and laughed together and, bending over, kissed his cheek. Nope. No, no. Nope. Make her go to bed. I only just thought of it, she said hysterically. Why didn't I think of it before? Why didn't you think of it? Think of what, he questioned. The other two wishes, she replied rapidly. We've only had one. Was not that enough, yeah. he demanded fiercely. I think we're good. No, she cried triumphantly. We'll have one more. Go down and get it quickly and wish our boy alive again. I called it. The man sat up in bed and flung the bedclothes from his quaking limbs. Good God. God, you are mad, he cried aghast. Get it, she panted. Get it quickly and wish, oh, my boy, my boy. This is some Daenerys Targaryen shit when she, like, makes the deal with the witchy woman to bring back her husband and, like, life pays for life. Yeah, messing with, uh... You're messing with death. Messing with death. Not great. Nope. Her husband struck a match and lit the candle. Get back to bed he said unsteadily. You don't know what you are saying. We had the first wish granted, said the old woman feverishly. Why not the second? A coincidence, stammered the old man. Go and get it and wish, cried his wife, quivering with excitement. The old man turned and regarded his wife, and his voice shook. He has been dead ten days, and besides, he... I would not tell you else, but... I could only recognize him by his clothing. If he was too terrible for you to see then, how now? Bring him back, cried the old woman and dragged him toward the door. Do you think I fear the child I have nursed? He went down in the darkness and felt his way to the parlor and then to the mantelpiece. The talisman was in its place. And a horrible fear that the unspoken wish might bring his mutilated son before him ere he could escape from the room seized upon him, and he caught his breath as he found that he had lost the direction of the door. His brow cold with sweat, he felt his way round the table and groped along the wall until he found himself in a small passage with the unwholesome thing in his hand. Even his wife's face seemed changed as he entered the room. 
It was white and expectant, and to his fears seemed to have an unnatural look upon it. He was afraid of her. Wish, she cried in a strong voice. It is foolish and wicked, he faltered. Wish, repeated his wife. He raised his hand. I wish my son alive again. The talisman fell to the floor, and he regarded it fearfully. Then he sank, trembling into a chair as the old woman with burning eyes walked to the window and raised the blind. He sat until he was chilled with cold, glancing occasionally at the figure of the old woman peering through the window. The candle end, which had burned below the rim of the china candlestick, was throwing pulsating shadows on the ceiling and walls until, with a flicker larger than the rest, it expired. The old man, with an unspeakable sense of relief at the failure of the talisman, crept back to his bed, and a minute or two afterward the old woman came silently and apathetically beside him. Neither spoke, but lay silently listening to the ticking of the clock. A stair creaked, and a squeaky mouse scurried noiselessly through the wall. The darkness was oppressive, and after lying for some time screwing up his courage, he took the box of matches and, striking one, went downstairs for a candle. Nope. At the foot of the stairs, the match went out, and he paused to strike another, and at the same moment, a knock, so quiet and stealthy as to be scarcely audible, sounded at the front door. Oh my god. The matches fell from his hand and spilled in the passage. He stood motionless, his breath suspended until the knock was repeated. Then he turned and fled swiftly back to his room and closed the door behind him. A third knock sounded through the house. "'What's that?' cried the old woman, starting up. "'A rat,' said the old man in shaking tones. "'A Zombie rat. Son. "'It passed me on the stairs.' "'His wife sat up in bed listening. "'A loud knock resounded through the house. "'It's a Herbert!' she screamed. "'It's a Herbert!' Oh my God. "'She ran to the door, but her husband was before her, "'and catching her arm held her tightly. "'What are you going to do?' he whispered hoarsely. It's my boy, it's Herbert, she cried, struggling mechanically. I forgot it was two miles away. What are you holding me for? Let go, I must open the door. For God's sake, don't let it in, cried the old man, trembling. You're afraid of your own son, she cried, struggling. Let me go, I'm coming, Herbert, I'm coming. There was another knock, and another the old woman, with a sudden wrench, broke free and ran from the room. Her husband followed to the landing and called after her, appealing as she hurried downstairs. He heard the chain rattle back and the bottom bolt drawn slowly and stiffly from the socket. Then the old woman's voice strained and panting. The bolt! she cried loudly. Come down, I can't reach it! Oh, she's short? How short is she? Uh, <laughs> but her husband was on his hands and knees, groping wildly on the floor in search of the paw. If he could only find it before the thing outside got in. A perfect fusillade of knocks 
reverberated mm. through the house, and he heard the scraping of a chair as his wife put it down in the passage against the door. He heard the creaking of the bolt as it came slowly back, and at the same moment he found the monkey's paw and frantically breathed his third and last wish. The knocking ceased suddenly, although the echoes of it were still in the house. He heard the chair drawn back and the door opened. Oh my god. A cold wind rushed up the staircase, and a long, loud wail of disappointment and misery from his wife gave him courage to run down to her side and then to the gate beyond. The street lamp flickering opposite shone on a quiet and deserted road. That was the end? Yep. Oh, no. Oh, God. That was like a combination of like three horror stories or four horror stories like we used to tell like as kids. Like the like the hitchhiker, like the person like at the like rapping at the door and then like uh so it the whole be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Comes like, from this. Yeah. Wow. Oh shit. So like then you go, was it all a coincidence? But it wasn't because there was the knocking until he like, or was the knocking just like a tree branch or what? Like, careful what you wish for. Be careful bitches. what you wish for. Oh, let me tell you something, bitch. Be <laughs> careful what you wish for. Yeah, and he brings it full circle. I hope he burned the. I know that it said three people get three wishes, but I still hope he burned the fuck out of that monkey paw. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Wow. All right, W. W. Jacobs. That was really good. I I dug that. Yeah. And again, like it's it's a it's something I'd heard of. So like I started I I saw the title in like the the research I was doing to find a story. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that sounds like something I've heard t- referred to before. And then like I did the very brief like I'm going to read like the most generic synopsis ever and I only read like the first line or two to make sure I don't get spoilers or anything. And I was like have I read this story or do I just have like cultural osmosis? Cultural, yeah. Is it just something? Cause I, 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 when you mentioned the Simpsons one, I remember there is, that. There is a Simpsons. I think it's a Treehouse of horrors yeah. episode where yeah. they do a monkey paw thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like, it's been done on a lot of shows cause it is, it's, it's the whole, like it's the whole genie in the lamp. It's the whole, be careful what you wish for situation. There is a, um, a Buffy, the, the vampire slayer episode where, um, spoilers for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, there's a Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode after Buffy's mom dies when her sister um, basically does the last two wishes. Yeah. Wishes for mom, casts a spell, but wishes for mom to come back from the dead and then realizes that she has just raised like the dead demon zombie mom. Yeah. And as mom is banging on the door, Don and Buffy have to cast another spell to banish demon zombie mom. There it is. That's exactly. There it is. Um, Also, demon zombie mom. That's a great band name. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, we are demon zombie mom. And I hope they play like folk country. (laughs) Like you want them to be a rock band or like something like that. Heavy metal. But no. 
Hello Tulsa! We are Demon Zombie Mom! Down the river! Down the river! <laughs> All right. Um, I don't know. I'm spent. You got anything? I'm, I'm that cool. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, check us out um, on all our social medias. You can listen anywhere. Please share this with a friend if you enjoyed it. Share it with an enemy if you didn't. Um, yeah, but and, share and it. do and do please do please remember our pyramid scheme. Share it with five friends and tell them they have to share it with five yeah. friends because. That's uh, legit. We're trying to take over the world. Yeah. And we're doing it one listener at a time. And that's that's all we got. So we don't have just three listeners and like uh like the the uh sergeant. Like the sergeant major, yeah. Um and well, and really it's important that you share it with five friends and tell them to share it with five friends because I don't have any friends. So I can't share it with five friends. I am relying on you to do that. <laughs> I share it with my friends and they don't listen to it because uh, hey friends, get it the fuck together. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. But also go check out Let Me Tell You Something, bitch. And uh, uh, I hope uh, you enjoyed this. And follow us on those social media. Become a patron if you want. Buy us coffee or, you know, just listen to another episode. All of them are fabulous. And to the friends that I do actually have... <laughs> It's like I'm not gonna say it. You you know you know that you know that that was a joke, and by virtue of the fact that you are listening to this, because I know that you are, because I know which ones of my friends are listening to this. I'm not including you in that. I don't have any friends. I know that you are a friend. You're awesome. Keep doing your thing and um, share this with five people I don't know. <laughs> and if you're still listening. Just text us, email us, or uh, um, message us on one of our platforms. Ginger dick. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait because there's always people that send them. Ginger dick. I just can't wait to get all those messages. All right. I'm done. All right. Uh, so um, I am Ginger Dick. I am Ruby. <laughs> And this has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. The adventures of Ginger Dick and Ruby as they row down the river of dreams. 